Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hi, everybody. It's Anna. And it's Ashley. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Kelly Glover. She helps entrepreneurs and experts take control of their personal brand by unpacking their expertise, articulating their message, and strategically communicating their purpose. This is something that I can get behind as a communications professional myself. Kelly is also an early adopter of podcasting. She's been podcasting for 13 years. Oh my God, you're like a leader. And not only that, she has an incredible personal story. Buckle up, sit down in 2017, Kelly lost 220 pounds. Yes, you heard that right. Not amazing. 220 pounds. Kelly you have to you have to go to her website to see the change. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling, Kelly. It is. It's mind-boggling. Kelly, thank you for joining us today and welcome to Two Girls Talking. Thank you so much. I love the energy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And we have we also have to say thank you because it is so blessed early where she is. Finally, that's where Kelly is. So tell our audience where you are. (laughs) Oh, I'm in Sydney, Australia right now. So uh, that's where the accent comes from. And that's where I am. And that's the beauty of podcasting, which I love a lot. So I love getting up early. Nothing like a podcast interview to start your day at 5 a.m. Why not? I swear, I wish I sounded as smart as you sound right now. Just FYI. I love it. I love it. I know. So like clear and chipper. All right. Absolutely. Um, before we dive into your personal story, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your current work? Sure. So I um, have a 20-year media background and I help a lot of people with their personal brand and figuring out how to articulate that because I don't think we always necessarily know what's the most interesting thing about ourselves. We just take it for granted. And um, so it's sort of unpacking your expertise, but then articulating it to other people. Oh, so cool. I mean, I have so many questions about that, but before we kind of get more into it, um, you, you were a former plus size blogger like this before you did what you, you do now, you were also a radio host and you had surgery to lose 220 pounds. So tell us about your journey. Yeah. So I had a plus size blog called Big Curvy Love and um, I got to the point I'd been struggling with weight my whole life, decided like, forget this. I'm just going to embrace it. Embraced it, had a great time, all these amazing clothes. And um, the thing is, as a fat person, I liked myself. I thought I was pretty awesome. I had a project called 50 Fat Dates. I was living life. I was living large. It was excellent. But then the health stuff finally got too much. I'd lost weight a lot of times and I could never keep it off. So I decided to get a bariatric surgery. The one I got was called uh, the vertical gastric sleeve. You might hear it, the sleeve, VSG. And so I started at 335 pounds, got the surgery, and now I'm about one. 18 give or take. So I've run the numbers on that recently. So I'm 35% uh, body weight of what I used to be. Oh my gosh. I'm coming up to in 2021, it'll be four years post-op because I got it done in January. So I went through a physical transformation 
and then a personal reinvention. And that's how I sort of, I've always been into media, podcasting, writing, all these things, but that's when I went, you know what? Like what happens when you change everything? And that's how I got into personal branding because I realized everything's gone. I have to start it. I I built this entire audience. I've spent five years doing it. I've written hundreds of blogs. I've done all this stuff and I've just blown it up. Even though I've changed my life for the better, but what happens then? You have to change your whole personal brand and you have to reinvent yourself. Because you're no longer the big curvy, your blogger, no no longer a plus size blogger. And I've lost my audience. So I compare it to, it's like being a vegan and then opening up a steakhouse. Nobody is going to follow you and you just have to, you've just changed, you've just done a complete 180. How did your audience respond? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, like when that happened and they saw your transformation, what yeah, what was their response like? Well, I spent two years mentally preparing and doing all my research for the weight loss surgery because it's a, it is a big thing. Um, and I knew when I made the decision, I knew I was going to lose my audience. Um, fat people don't like when other fat people lose weight. It's like a betrayal. It's this whole different thing. And I can say that because I, I was there myself. So I knew it was, I knew it was going to be a breakup and I didn't want to be... I'm losing weight. You should have to lose weight because I don't think that like it's whatever. It was just my personal decision. So you know what? I didn't know what to do. And I just ghosted because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I didn't want to put myself out there. And then because I knew what the backlash was going to be. So I didn't ask for anything. So I sort of just, I'm not, not proud of it, but I I just didn't know what else to do. And that's what I chose to do at the time. Did you talk about this in the run-up? Because I, 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 I think you're, I, I think you're right about how people, you know, didn't want to know about this or don't want to be friends with you if they think you're a certain way. But did you, did you discuss it with your audience? Did you say, look, it's, I love who I am and what I am. I just, I can't be healthy like this. Is that something you did? Like prime no, them, because if you will? I had no idea what was coming. And I didn't know what would happen. Mm-hmm. So, right, right. and this is, I mean, it's still only a few years ago, but it's, and I think um, that, that's the thing. There's a lot more people getting it done and there's a lot more discussion now, but I had no, I didn't know what was, I didn't know if I would lose one pound or one. I had no, I did not expect that whatsoever. So I didn't dis, I didn't discuss it. One thing I think is so interesting, interesting in, in reading your bio is that, and one of the reasons I think it's so interesting why you chose to do what you did, is that you were living and working in Hollywood. You know, you were over there in La La Land, um, you know, home of the emaciated models. And that that wasn't any, right? I mean, you, you made this choice for yourself, a personal choice for your health and for yourself. But that pressure never got to you. You must have been an incredibly strong-minded person. Uh, no, it never bothered me. I was actually more confident as a fat person than I am now. I did this whole 50 fat dates and all the dating. Haven't been on a single date since then. Wrote an article saying, I forget what the number was, say something like, I lost 160 pounds and can't get a date. That went viral. I ended up on TV, like everyone wanted to talk to me about that. And that's because when I went back to Hollywood, I didn't get asked on dates. Usually I used to get a lot of attention. People would turn heads, all this stuff. And then when I was lost all that weight nothing happened. And I asked a friend saying, what's going on? 
why has everything changed? And he said to me, this is just in a private message. He said, because when you were fat, they didn't think you would say no. And now they're scared of you. And I never thought of it that way. So I wrote a little blog and and I guess everybody thought that was the thing. And that went kind of viral across the world. But (laughs) I never, I actually lived in Hollywood one block from um, Sunset Boulevard and I never had a problem. I mean, that that that's a that's that's amazing that people wanted to get to know you and your vibrant personality when you were heavier and you're still that i think you're still that vibrant personality yeah, that i, I think, think is lovely, lovely right, right now that people should want to get to know you too isn't it amazing that people would want to get to know you when you're one way but you're the exact same way just look a little different yeah it just never all this stuff never occurred to me there's so much stuff that i didn't nobody tells you I didn't expect, and also it's only in hindsight that I can say all this. So it took me years. I couldn't even change Big Curvy Love on my Instagram. It was too much for me, and that took me three years to be able to do that. And I would see other bigger people, and I would go to the wrong section of the clothes. And I still look at um, you know, city, different plus-size brands, and I'll know all the brands, and I'll see a bigger girl, and, and I'll think that I'm – like I'll really um, connect – with that person. It's just very strange. It's really, and everybody goes through it completely differently. I can tell you my experience. And then I know other people that have been through this and have had a completely different experience. Yeah. It's, I'm I'm a science experiment. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm so curious, like what, what is, what changed for you? I mean, it sounds like a lot like physically changed, but like health wise, and then you had to reinvent yourself. So like you got the surgery, lost the weight, and then what happened? Yeah. So within, I think, nine months of having... So I moved back to Australia at that point because I had no idea what it was going to be like. I didn't want to be by myself and I wanted to be with family um, because there's always complications. It's a bit of a roll of the dice. Like, what are you going to get? I ended up getting kidney stones. Other people have had gallstone. Like, you know, you lose your hair. You don't know if you're going to get sick. You Like all these different things. So it's that recovery. And I was um, working for a media company as the senior podcast producer producer producing different shows so I did that for nine months and then decided to win that contract and start my own podcasting agency so what changed so every so much changes big stuff and little stuff it's unbelievable so I sort of moved countries and then I went back to the states after that I'm like okay I'm good I'm recovered enough to go and that's when I went viral after that when I walked down the street when I'd open I literally had opened my podcasting agency the talent squad wrote that post went viral and I was launching a business and doing it all at the same time still didn't wow. get a date after all wow. that no dates really <laughs> dates no plus date. size blogger to no <laughs> dates hey, question um, this date, yeah. have you had a date since your surgery no and I think and that's for personal reasons which is And I know it's on me. Like all this stuff is on you. And like I'm smart enough to know what's in my head and what's not. So I'm like, I completely know it's me. But when I was bigger, you you can see what you're going to get. And now with me, you don't. Because I'm skinnier, but I've got loose skin. You know what I mean? So I'm not as confident as I was when I was fat in that aspect, which kind of blows people's minds. Because like you look at me and you're like, yeah, okay, she's this, she's that. I know what I'm going to get. And now I'm, I feel like I have to explain the stuff and it like scares me. And yeah. So, wow. um, but wow. I know that that's on me and that's yeah. fine, but that's just how I feel. And I'm fine with that. Okay. okay. Fabulous. Good. As long yeah. as you're fine with it. 
exactly so i, I want to know about so now you help people articulate their message and this is something i can get behind because i do media training all the time and i help people do this too so tell us a little bit about that and i'm also curious like why you think people have such a hard time articulating their message um there's a saying and it's you can't see the label from inside the bottle and i think that is really true and i think that we often don't, like I said before, we don't know what we find interesting about ourselves. And we just assume because things are really easy for us that everybody knows how to do it. And that's certainly my case. I'm like, oh, that's a no brainer. Like surely everyone can do it. It's so easy to do that. So I can just turn something that you say, distill it, put it in an amazing hook and go viral. Well, not viral every time. Like that's kind of a one-off, but you know, I lost 160 pounds and can't get a date. That's a quick headline, but but that goes from walking down the street to figuring that out, to writing the headline, to writing the article, to putting a good picture in. So I think a lot of that is communication, media, figuring out who you are, doing the clickbait that actually delivers, but then it's also what's your brand. So I can write like a little bit of a snark in that headline because that's my brand and what I've done. If you're a scientist person doing research, you're not going to be able to do that. So your brand is also, you know, how you look, how you act, what you say, what you stand for, who you associate with. If I'm standing next to Obama or I'm standing next to Trump, eat both of those things say something. And that's will add to your brand. So you've got a personal brand, whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's are you being proactive about it and doing something and pushing your message out and how? And is that message true? Because anyone, you can, you have a brand, but you can do a little bit of a fake brand, but that's not true. And you can't keep that up forever. And your brand is how people will see you, how they buy you, how they relate to you. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're an Instagram person like if you are an employee going for a job that's still your brand mm -hmm. and why is a recruiter going to pick you over somebody else mm -hmm. so right. it, it's not necessarily i'm a media person i've got a brand it's everybody right what's interesting to me is your whole evolution not just your personal one but your professional one what you did from where you were going into hollywood and now you're finding somebody's brand or helping people find their brand, discuss their brand. And I think that's interesting because while you do have your podcast company and your podcast agency, that's fabulous, but that's something different than helping people discover who they are or brand who they are. Yeah, and it's only through my personal journey and then people coming to the Talent Squad wanting to get booked on podcasts and me asking them probing questions. And it's, a lot of it's about asking the right questions and you know, extracting, I call it an expertise extractor. I'm really good at figuring out that kind of stuff. Um, it's only dealing with people. They want to get on booked on podcasts, but then I'm like, you actually don't know what your message is. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who the audience is and you don't have your topics and talking points and really your positioning, how you're different from everybody else or your platform ready. So they're like, I want to get booked on podcasts but you don't have your personal brand and all the other elements in order. You kind of need to get that first because it's a bit like having a, a shop front, but then you go inside and there's nothing for people to buy. Yeah. You know, you can yes. have that nice window, but if you walk inside and there's nothing on the shelves and you've got no pricing and you've got a, you know, a vegan 
like we were saying before, a vegan whatever next to a steak, then that's really confusing for people. Right, right. So I think that um, I people would come in. I want to get booked on podcasts. Step ten, but we really need to go down to book uh, to step one, which is who are you? What do you stand for? Who are you talking to? What are you saying? And what do you want pe- people to do at the end? Right, right, yeah. That's such that's interesting. Advice. I and like I feel like so many people have a hard time doing that but so like what I do I have a hard time doing it yeah like I it's so hard like I give out the advice but even for my own self it's sometimes hard oh yeah definitely definitely can you offer to our listeners and a lot of them are you know business owners I would say majority women business owners what tips can you offer our listeners on how to get started to articulate their their own messages so you know what a notebook and a pen honestly So just even asking yourself, who am I talking to and writing that down? What do I believe? What do I stand for? What am I selling or services or whatever that, what's my expertise? And then what you can do is go and ask other people what their perception of you is, because there's who you think you are, who you say you are, who you actually are and who, how other people see you. So you could think your brand is one thing, project something else, and then other people could be perceiving you in a completely different way. So you've got to think, you've got to figure out who you think you are and then do a little bit of an audit of yourself online if you already have those collaterals. And then ask other people that you trust and that are closer to you as the first point, do a little bit of a secret shopper survey and find out what they think. Because you might think you're one thing, but might actually other, be perceived in a different way. And then you need to go back to that messaging and change it. And also, like I said, putting it in hooks and headlines. Can you distill it in one word? If you bumped into an old friend from college at the supermarket and explained what you did, it's a bit of an elevator pitch, but more. What is that? Mm-hmm. And then it goes beyond, beyond, beyond to that 360 degree thinking. Do you have a story? Do you have a metaphor? Do you have the headline? Do you have some stats to back it up? Because you need to be able to convey your message in a way that people can understand it regardless of how they think. Yeah. I love that. And so I say like, regardless, sometimes who you're speaking to, if it's like a general audience for let's say like mainstream media, um, I tell them, you know, speak as if you're speaking to a middle schooler and above and speak in simple language. Therefore, you're more likely to be understood. Yeah. And I've heard this. I can't remember from where, but um, I, you, you need to be able to explain the same concept to a seven-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 47-year-old, and an 87-year-old. So yeah. can my niece understand it? Can my dad understand it? And can my best friend understand it? Yep. So right, you need to right. have that language in all those different ways. And then have you got a story, like I said, a story to attach to that? Because people can understand in that way. But then for me, I love a headline. Like if you can distill it in one line that I can remember, that really works for me. But for other people, they won't remember that. They want to see a, a before and after picture or hear a stat of 335 pounds down to 118 pounds. It depends. But if you have for every piece of intellectual property or messaging you have that 360 degree, then that will change everything about you, your brand, your personal um, message and your business. Wow. Only in hindsight, do I know this? You know what I mean? I didn't know this before. And it's only realizing that people didn't know this stuff that I went, okay, well, what am I doing? How am I doing it? And what's going into it? You sort of have to audit yourself sometimes in your own expertise. 
Yeah, that's Definitely. a great reminder. I feel like I need to go audit my own message. I know. I was just writing down all those tips that yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I wrote okay. them all down. Kelly, a lot of people come to you for podcasting to get booked on podcasts, and you were, you know, an early adopter of podcasting. Um, so I'm curious, like, how have? What well, one question is? How have you seen podcasting evolve from when you first launched to now? Like now, I see it as it's so important, it's vital. Like for all my book authors, I say that if you're going to do any type of media for your book launch, you do podcasts. But I'm curious what your stance is on it. Yeah. So I got into podcasting in 2007. So that's about 13 years as the time of this recording. And when I was doing podcasting, I was in radio and it was pulling the show that has been live off the logger, taking out the songs and taking out the commercials. So really it was radio without the music in the ads and it took hours and it was pages of instruction and it was so complicated and it didn't work and it was weird. That is way, way, way back when. Um, Then it's changed a lot. And then I got into podcasting um, professionally after commercial radio. I was a syndicated radio announcer when I moved to Los Angeles And I couldn't get a job in radio with this accent. So I moved into podcasting. So that's when I started um, writing show notes, doing the guest booking. And that's when, so there was sort of a gap where it was amateur kind of for quite a few years. And then it got professionalized. And since then, it's really accelerated a lot. Like Amazon now has a platform for podcasts. Right. Yeah. So everything, we're everyone's on it. getting we're in. We're on and it. Th- there were no jobs in podcasting. You had to make your own up. There right. were no, and now there's thousands of jobs in podcasting and people are getting paid. And it used to be a bit um, like ham radio and a bit like the, um, oh, sometimes I think in Australianisms and I know it's inappropriate for international audiences. That's okay. Like there's a saying, there's a the redheaded stepchild and I know that is completely wrong but my mind is blanking on (laughs) another thing to say that is so rude because redheads are amazing and they're always my favorite so um but it's like the poor the poor person of radio you know what I mean the amateur like oh she's in radio she's she's in podcasting she's failed and then then it flipped so it's a bit like TV, you movie stars didn't want to go on TV, and now you know Susan Sarandon's yeah. doing a thing on Netflix. We're going to say all yes. on Netflix now, exactly. Everybody's yeah. doing streaming. So yeah. So, so it's changed from amateur to a guy under his blanket talking to his mates about video games to Amazon, and you'll see people in the nightly news saying, "Have you gone to our podcast?" Yeah. Completely mainstream and amazing, and people making yeah. millions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars deal, and the new thing that everybody wants. Um, so I think it's accessible media that anybody can do for themselves, which I love as well. Yeah. Like when I was in radio, I had to get accepted to the national school and they took 10 people a year. Now you can just buy, you don't even need to buy anything. Just flip your laptop and you can make a podcast and get it out to the world. How amazing is that? It is crazy. I'm also curious for like people who want to get booked on podcasts, um, you know, What's the impact for that, for them? Um, like, why is podcasting, tell our listeners, and why po- you don't have to convince me, but convince our listeners, why podcasting is, uh, you know, an important marketing strategy for your brand? So people don't accidentally listen to a podcast. They're not flipping channels. They're not flipping through Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's not present. They're going looking for it. And when they're looking for something, 
it is they're looking for a solution to a problem they have or something that they've got a deep interest in. So it is much more niche, much more targeted, and people listen to all or most of a podcast. So they'll listen to 85% of a podcast. So you've got them for a long time. You're in their ears. It's very intimate and it goes a lot deeper than, yeah, you might get on Good Morning America, but you're on there for three minutes and you have to be watching on a Tuesday at you know, 7am to see, right. happen to see that if it's on at that time. But if someone's looking for a podcast about cacti, they're looking for you. They're deeply interested. They're going to listen to the whole episode. And then after that, they can go and find you more. So yeah. there's podcasts for everything. You don't have to have a big audience to make a big impact. So yeah. I, and, and think that. about how many podcasts you've listened to. People will, I feel like it skips, you know, the, how you hear about the no like and trust factor. Yeah. Um, I feel like it skips to step 10 of that from step one. It's like the, it's the equivalent of 10 dates instead of the first date. You already know the person. Like right. right now you're listening to me. You like me. You dislike me. You're interested in what I've got to say. Meh, you could move on. Whatever. You're either putting yourself into my community or putting yourself out of the community. And both is good for both of us. Yeah. Right, right, right. So how can our, how can our listeners find you? Kellyglover.com. Okay. That's K-E-L-L-Y-G-L-O-V-E-R.com. All right. Fascinating. And where can they find your podcast? Uh, my old podcast, Big Curvy Love, is still available. Okay. I have not been able to take that down and I haven't done a VSG podcast yet. So, yeah, if you want to hear about 50 Fat Dates and all the plus size stuff, I've still left it. And that's the beauty of it. Yes. That's years ago. I haven't done episodes in years and it's still rolling along. People are finding it and people are listening to it and getting value. And I love that. But it's still authentic. I mean, it was really it's a you. Good podcast. I, yeah, it's a great don't podcast. Take it down. You should give yes. it up. I mean, no, I am. It was yeah. really you. I mean, you yeah. did it. It wasn't a gimmick. It was yeah. you and your life. And I think that people so desperately want authenticity. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing with podcasting as well. You can do something for 10 episodes in a series, move on and do something else. You can do multiple. It doesn't have to be one episode a week for the rest of your life on the same topic. Right. I, I, I love that. Yeah, and that's yes. for listeners and for people making their own podcasts. So you can reach audiences that are niche that need to hear from you on something specific and move on. And that value still be there for them. And you can do the same with going on other people's shows. So yeah. I'm fabulous. I live and die podcasts. Love them. And thank you for yours, ladies. <laughs> yeah. thank oh, you. thank you. Well, thank thanks you. for being a, Yeah. Thanks for being a guest on two girls talking. It's amazing. And I, you've packed so much value and, what a story to share yes. with our audience too. Oh my gosh. Can't wait so to true. publish this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. See the before and after at kellyglover.com. It's, I still look at my own before and after pictures because it's still unbelievable to me. So yeah. everyone wow. loves a before and after. I always do. Oh, Give me a room sure. reveal on a renovation show. Give me a before and after <laughs> weight loss. I'm in whatever so it is. True. Oh my gosh. It's true. Thank you so much. It's been so fun to have you. And to all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in to Two Girls Talking. I'm Ashley. And I'm Anna. And we'll see you, listen to you again in two weeks. Oh, you're listening to us. You'll listen to us in two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. Bye.